this morning with a little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time with you. This time to gather with other believers and praise your name. We thank you for this day with you. This opportunity to trust you and see what amazing things you have waiting for us. We thank you for our connection with you. Thank you for the ability to pray and talk to you. We're so blessed to serve a God that listens to what we have to say, who wants to share with us, fill our emptiness, and spend time loving us. Thank you for everything we forget or take for granted. No matter what we face in our lives, we have faith in you and your divine path. Thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Job 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And verse 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. It feels like the last six months of my life have brought far more challenge than blessing. The last few weeks have been especially hard. And I want to thank everyone who's asked about me, reached out in some way, or just simply prayed for me and my family. I have unlimited love for all of you. I hope the fact that I've been a bit broken lately doesn't make you uneasy as I begin a sermon to you this morning. I hope instead it gives you comfort and relief to know that I trust you enough to tell you that I am hurting. And I love you enough to be vulnerable and raw so that maybe God can work through me. And I am really counting on that to happen this morning. From this pulpit, I have been blessed to share with you lots of stories about my life. Most of them made you laugh. Like when I was four and stripped down to my skivvies in the middle of the church, only to run to the top of the altar steps and dive off like Wonder Woman. Or maybe when I was trapped in the back of that truck with all those sick baby cows. Or maybe when my two-year-old broke the barrier and repainted my entire upstairs. Those stories are from my doctorate in hard knocks. But I have another doctorate. 
a doctrine I don't talk about very often, and that doctrine is one in blood, sweat, and tears. It's a whole different degree. The stories found there are much darker, and to tell them to you would certainly not make you laugh. They're full of heartbreak, destruction, agony, trauma, and different abuses. You'd hear more stories than I can count full of pain and suffering. I have been through a lot for my young age. Probably more than your average bear, but I'm not special. That is life. Everyone sitting here today understands that often in our lives we struggle, we are challenged, and at times we suffer. And not only do we reap a suffering from our circumstances, we reap a suffering from our inability to make sense of our circumstances. Why? Why is this happening to me? At any moment, in the blink of an eye, our entire lives can change, and that's completely across the board. Be it a job, a relationship, an illness, an issue in your church or organization, the bottom that we are standing on is much like a ride at Hershey Park. At any moment, the bottom drops out and the ride starts spinning. And we're simply stuck to the wall, trying not to get sick and begging to get off. In a second, in a moment, in an hour, in a day, change is real and constant. One of the most relatable characters to this experience is Job. I mean, in the first chapter of this book, we learn his whole entire world falls apart. His kids die in a collapse. Fire consumes his business, his animals, workers. Then raiders take the rest. Everything falls apart and he is in the dark, unable to make sense of anything that is happening. And this story is especially interesting because Job may not know what's going on, but we do. We know the why. The first section of Job fills us into the backstory as God and the enemy engage in a conversation. Satan telling God Job is only a good and righteous man because of the many blessings God has bestowed upon him. The enemy questions Job's motivation. But God trusts Job. He trusts that Job trusts him. God knows Job's heart and he allows everything to be taken from him. And the enemy, he went to work, taking it all. And there is Job, left with literally nothing, writhing in pain. He is suffering. Oh, how he must have suffered. His mind is reeling. His heart is shredded into pieces. The scripture says he tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He's lost it all. And he doesn't have just faith in God. He praises God. In fact, scripture says he did not sin or blame God. 
That's a tall order when the enemy is ripping you to shreds. Think about your losses, your defeats, the things that didn't go your way, the illnesses that you have. How often did you throw up a hallelujah? It's a tall order. As we continue reading in chapter 2, the enemy presents another test, covering Job in sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. He's tested then by his wife, who encourages him to curse God. And Job says, no, not going to happen. In fact, his words are, should we accept good from God and not trouble? First, he praises God when he's lost it all. And now he's saying, well, shouldn't we just be happy with what we get? And it's really important to remember here that Job just wasn't sad or a little frustrated or in a little bit of pain. We know from the scripture, Job is in immense, end my life from this suffering kind of pain, inside and out. As we continue to read, we see his friends show up and they burst into tears when they see him. They don't recognize him. They lay on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one speaks a word because they saw how great his suffering was. Just listen to a few of the verses. It's a long chapter. I chose some of the most powerful. This is Job speaking. May the day of my birth perish and the night that said a boy is conceived. That day may it turn to darkness, may God above not care about it, may no light shine on it, may gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it, may blackness overwhelm it, may the night be barren, may no shout of joy be heard in it. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in for sighing, has become my daily food, my groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And as I read that passage over and over this week, I could not believe how relatable it felt. For sighing has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And maybe you too have faced this kind of pain. You know, Pastor Allie hit a home run last week with her sermon. I'm all about loving the broken especially our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated in prison. I have many friends in that system, so I am very passionate about that too. And this passage mixed with her sermon really jarred me. Because people go to prison for crime every day, but all of us out here on the outside, we are not exempt from prison. We don't get passes for good behavior. Pain, agony, loss, suffering is prison. It's its own cage that we're locked in and bound to. Our freedom to move about the world doesn't negate the prison of our thoughts and our feelings that we can be trapped in. 
Prisons of anguish and sorrow and grief. Prisons of illness and fear and doubt. You can choose yourself. And these prisons we find ourselves in, we search and search for the key. Like Job, we talk with our friends and counsel. We search for the answers in others. Job did. His friends came and they talked and discussed and debated. They challenged him. They blamed him. They searched and scraped at making sense of everything. But you know what they came up with? Nothing. They came up with nothing. It's like that for us, sitting in our cell, talking to people on the outside, waiting for them to hand us a key. Left disappointed, empty-handed, and maybe sometimes even feeling worse. Because we humans can never fully understand our own life or the lives of others, and we certainly can't understand the design, the wonder, and the wisdom of God. The only answer that Job gets that's worth anything comes from God. We learn in Job's story the simple truth that the only real answer to the problem of suffering is to accept there is just so much we're never going to wrap our heads around. We're not always going to get the answer. We don't always get the why. But in hard times, God is saying to us, rely on me. Fully and completely stand in faith. Trust my wisdom and my power to see you through it. Because God will and God does. We see that in Job, as I read this morning in our scripture. God restored Job. Doubled what he had because God restores. Besides the things I've already mentioned, the book of Job, this roller coaster of suffering and blessing, you should read it. There are two things that hit me of value beyond what we normally highlight in this story. Two things that in just this last week have resonated with me and gave me glimpses of peace. The first is to lean in. Job was suffering, so Job suffered. He leaned in. God, this hurts and it hurts bad. So bad, I cursed the day I was born. This is torture, Lord, just let me die. Chapter 3 is agonizing to read. I know people. I know personally. It's dark. But he leaned in. He used prayer and communication with God to express his burden. He cried out. He was transparent. So you know what? You scream if you need to. Cry when the tears come. Lean into God so he can lean into you in prayer. I heard a motivational video this week that, oh, it inspired me so much. I believe it was John Havey speaking. Uh, it said this about prayer. I wrote it down to read it to you. A Christian can see more on his knees than he can from his feet. Prayer is not getting God prepared to do your will. Prayer is getting you prepared to do God's. Prayer is the only way to release the supernatural power of God in your life, in your family, in your business. To show you great and mighty things that you know not. Prayer is the key that unlocks the gates of heaven and closes the gates of hell. Prayer has the power to cure sickness and disease. 
Prayer can shatter the shackles of misery and habit that are tormenting your life. Prayer does not need proof. Prayer needs practice. Some say God and heaven are far removed and far away, but God is as close as your next prayer. If your marriage is under attack, pray. If your children are being tormented by the prince of darkness, pray. If your business is failing, your church is falling apart, pray. If you're fighting a deadly disease, pray. If you're lost and without God, pray. If your life is empty, if it's meaningless, and if it seems hopeless, pray, pray, pray. Because God answers God expects you every day of the week to lean in. This why. This is the why that really matters. Why pray? Because God will answer your prayer. As powerful as God is, God cannot answer prayer until you pray it. The Bible says what you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. The book of Isaiah says, command ye me. In prayer, he has given you the authority to launch the initiative. Quit walking around in circles, wringing your hands, saying, I wonder when God is going to do something. God in heaven is looking down at you and saying, I have given you the authority of my name. I have given you the power of my word. I have given you the sanctity of my blood. When are you going to use that power? The power I have given you to blast the enemy off the ground and announce that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. The initiative starts with you. You're talking to the creator of heaven and earth. He holds the cattle on a thousand hills. He uses gold for asphalt on the streets of heaven. He moves mountains. He divides seas. He'll give you wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant, houses you didn't build. He will make you the head and not the tail because nothing, nothing, impossible to God. So when you suffer, lean into prayer, lean in to God. And the last point this morning, perhaps the thing that stood out to me the very most, is frankly just opposite thinking of what we've already learned this morning. We look at Job and we see a man that no matter what he lost, he did not turn his back on God. He was lost and confused, tortured. He questioned and debated, but his heart stayed faithful to God. Job sent a direct message to God. I'm really messed up right now, but I will always choose you despite it. And that's pretty powerful. But for me, there are two sides to that power. For not only did he tell God, I choose you, he told the enemy, you can't have me. You can take my house. You can take my family, my health, my job, the people that work for me, the people work with me, my car, my children, my dog, but you can't have me. And just as powerful as it is to choose God, it is equally powerful to send a message, a firm message to the enemy. I belong to God. 
You cannot get in my way. You cannot stop my service, my love, my dedication, my unwavering, focused eye on the prize, conviction for my God. So enemy, I feel real sorry for you because we serve a mighty, powerful God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I have read the book, God Wins. So as you face whatever battles or heartbreaks you have in your life, remember these lessons from Job. Praise your God in all things. Only your Lord and Savior has the wisdom and foresight to reason your situation. Lean in to the power of prayer. And remember, as you face loss and disappointments, defeats, as you suffer, no matter what is taken from you, shout to the enemy with all your might from the depths of your soul, you can't have me. Amen. I just uh, feel upon my heart right now that um, before we sing our final song, I want each of us, as Pastor Gretchen has said, prayer is so important. I would like each of you to put your hand on the shoulder of somebody around you. And if there isn't anybody there, put your hand on your own shoulder. Because we all, in times, are suffering. And when one of us suffers, we as a church family suffer. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we fall before you on our knees. Lord, you know the depths of the suffering. Those that are suffering in this church, those that are suffering around the world. Lord, you hear their cries, you know their pain. Lord, you are so very good. You do not forget us. You do not throw us away. Give us the strength, Lord, to be with you, to turn to you, and to say those words that the enemy can't have us because, Lord, we already belong to you. Lord, we do not know what the suffering may be for those that we have our arms around or our shoulders on, our hands on the shoulders. We do not know what that suffering is, but you know. May we lift each other up daily. For God, you deserve all the praise and all the glory. In your precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.